everyone. Welcome to The Sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest on The Sanctuary today is advocate, mental health advocate, um, model, honestly, just a cool, awesome human being, and my friend, Kimberly Tanius. Thanks for coming to The Sanctuary today. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, uh, you were on Twitter later and you, and it was a wonderful episode. I'm like, okay, I need to talk to this person. Um, I think what stood out for me was how, you know, like you took this adversity being epileptic and you turned it into a strength and you kind of use that into like as a drive for everything you do. So when did you have this diagnosis and how was it for you? Uh, so I was diagnosed at six with epilepsy. And when you're a kid, you don't really understand what epilepsy is, right? So growing up, it was like a learning journey for me, right? I asked the doctors a lot of questions. I went through a lot with the doctors and my parents. Um, because talking with doctors is completely t- different than talking with your immigrant parents about, you know, some medical condition you're not aware of or you don't fully understand. So my life growing up was very different than a lot of others but also in the same way I could be still be a kid there was there's was a lot of limits but I still learned how to be a kid during that time mm, okay I mean with with that you know diagnosis and and all the experiences of going to the hospital so all that stuff what did you want to be as a kid then <laughs> so it's funny because I just I wanted to be a singer when I was a kid I love oh, singing wow. and I love dancing so I was like I want to be a singer right I want to impact people at like a young age I just wanted to impact people through like a big in a big way and I didn't know how to do that because I was like there's no way I could be a singer you can't have, you can't be a singer and have that both I mean like you can't but in the sense where I was like I don't know how that would work right and that, but I always wanted to have like a platform to speak on, and I guess now is I have one or at least a little bit of one, so I'm just very grateful. And like my dreams when I was a kid, it was very like I had a various uh, like um, dreams and like of what I wanted to do. It was mostly in entertainment, but at some point I wanted to be a paleontologist or a police officer or Wait, a director. police officer. Yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> I went through a phase where I wanted to be a police officer. I don't oh, know. Wow. I thought it was very heroic. And that's why. Right? I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I learned. I grew. I mean, right, right, we're right, here right, now. Right, 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 uh, right. Um, so, yeah. And then, I guess, you know, you have, as a kid, all these things you wanted to do. Um, what did you focus on? As you're like, okay, fine, I'm going to either go study this or go work in this field. So as I grew older and it was time for me to graduate um, high school, you had to start picking like what kind of like programs you want to go into, right? It was very difficult for me. Like I really didn't know like where I belonged or where I felt like I belonged. Mm -hmm. So at first I went to broadcasting and film because I love film. I love the idea of story concepts, all of it, right? And then after a year, because I'm not great at editing, right, <laughs> um, I went into criminology because I do love the idea of like nature versus nurture, like like how this tends to be, right? And then mm. like how our government and our system works. So 
that was, was the fascination of mine. And then I learned during that time that the professors were telling me, oh, um, there's not really a place for you to go in terms of placement because of your epilepsy. So I was like, bye. Um, <laughs> and then I went into disability studies. So I actually graduated as a disability support worker and I use what I was learned and taught um, on an everyday basis for like anyone and everyone, especially interpersonal skills. That was the biggest one. I think I kind of just went in and was like, I'm going to make a difference. I don't know how, but I'm going to make a difference. And that's why I say disability support worker. Mm. Uh, that is, I mean, the people that do that work, there has to be a certain amount of compassion that's just innate in you because it's so much work. And, you know, so first, thanks for doing that. But also, uh, were there some difficulties you faced, you know, doing disability support work and being epileptic? So there's a, there's a lot of things that I'm not allowed to do, according to my doctor right such as like um climbing ladders like it might seem so mundane and so random but honestly it's something i can't do because of complications that it serves right so like carrying super heavy things all the time and being overworked and working a certain amount of hours will like make my body exhausted which eventually will go straight to my head and my brain and i will just pass out completely or I will start having really bad seizures. So like there was very much limitations at that time where I was like, where I didn't know my body well enough, mm. right? And I didn't know what my limits were exactly. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to figure them out, but there were just, there were a couple, like oh, being overworked is one of them. Mm. Being stressed is a huge one. And not knowing how to handle that during that time was the worst part of it. So if I didn't know how to handle my stress and handle being overworked and how long I worked, um, I it would just it would just be a really bad situation afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it took me some time to figure it all out um, in the work field and then kind of just balancing it all, right? But overall, um, once I got to know my body, once I got to know myself, it it worked out pretty fine. It was actually pretty good. You know, something you mentioned knowing my body and stuff. What are some, I guess, things you had to do to get to learn and understand and know your body? So the thing is, is that I never really knew that I had to get to know my body like that. I really, so a bunch of times I would like go to the gym and like one day I would go to the gym and after the gym, I just like pass out. And I was like, why did I just pass out? I'm fine. And I'm like, okay, it's probably my body, probably the epilepsy. And sometimes I would like go a full day of just work and then go out with my friends right afterwards. Mm -hmm. And like, I would just have seizures after seizure after seizure. And I'd be like, why is this happening to me? And I was like, because I didn't rest, because I didn't mm -hmm. manage my time properly or manage my body well, right? Mm -hmm. And so honestly, um, learning it was just me going through doing different things, doing mm -hmm. just the most mundane stuff and not taking care of my body. And that's how I started learning about it. Mm -hmm. I had to learn the hard way to know how to manage what I do now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's great. You understand your body now. And do you find, because I find people that like yourself, that are so empathetic and caring for others, 
uh, it might be difficult to be like, okay, this thing, I, oh, I can't do this right now because of, you know, I understand my body. Do you find it difficult navigating, saying no, and I'm pushing back and helping people because that's also innate to you to want to help people? Mm-hmm. So I love helping people. Helping people is like, it's engraved in me. Like, I just want to always help people. Um, having to say no means having those boundaries and taking care, taking care of myself first so then I can take care of them, mm-hmm. right? If I want to take care of them, I need to take care of myself first. That is what I learned, and that's how I apply it to my life now. So if someone asks me to do something tomorrow and I'm like, I just did all this stuff today. Do I even have the capacity to do that tomorrow? I would really have to think about it and say, hey, you know what? Um, I would love to, but unfortunately, I can't. Mm. And then explain the reason. Like, the reasoning is nothing to be ashamed of. I'll explain the reasoning. And then know that my reasoning is justified. Because one day, I will go back and I will help them when they really need it. Or when they just need to just talk. Really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and then there's this whole part where you are a model how did that happen um i honestly think it's just god to <laughs> or like it's i guess people believe in universe people believe in different things but i believe in god um so i was actually looking up influencers because influencers started popping off where tiktok was a thing and it became really big so i was like how do people like money off of this i really was like i was just very curious and I wondered if we had those in Toronto, right? Because I used to see them in New York and LA, never Toronto. So I started looking at fashion. And then I was like, do we even have like a fashion week in Toronto? So I looked that up and I found that we had Fashion Art Toronto. When I found that we had Fashion Art Toronto, I was like, oh, I'll buy a ticket. I'll go see what this is about. And I started following some of the designers on Instagram, right? And as I followed some of the designers, I would comment under some of their stuff, you know, just because I felt inspired, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think after that, one of the designers messaged me on on Instagram and said, hey, would you want to walk to my show? And I was like, hell yeah. Like, like, yes, I will. Like, because my, the way I thought about it was like, when am I ever going to say that I got to walk for a runner show? Like, this is going to be the only time, right? So I said yes, and I was preparing for it, asked how to prepare for it, what they want for me, like, different things. And mm. it just kind of took off from there where I met other designers, and designers would talk to me, and then I, you know, I talked to people from Fashion Art Toronto and all that, and it just kept going from there. It just kept going, and it didn't stop. <laughs> I, didn't know, I don't know if I wanted to stop. I don't think I do. I love making the impact that I do. I really do love this impact that I have in social media and in fashion in Toronto and like people that read my articles and like people that watch my Instagram stories and see me working out and they're inspired as well. Like everything I do somehow translates to some sort of inspiration. And I love that. I love being an inspiration, but that's how I got into modeling. Honestly, just God calls somebody else, (laughs) asked me to be a part of their show. So I said, yes. And, um, okay. So that first show, what do you remember about it? Oh, I was so nervous. I was so <laughs> nervous. Actually, I was like, "Where are we going? Um, is there a platform where I walk on the floor?" Like, 
will I fall on these heels because the heels are massive. They were so high. I was like, I I don't know if I can do this. So I practiced backstage and I met a lot of the girls. I met a lot a lot of people actually. And I was like, and they were they were helping me out. They were giving me hints. They were just kind of just giving me tips because they've been doing this so much longer than I have. Because I've never done it. <laughs> That's why. And I was like, okay. I think I have this. I think I'm good. And like the second the director told me go, I was like, now, <laughs> now, now. And I took a deep breath, uh, a little prayer. And then I just went and it's not like I blanked out. I, ne- I never blanked out, but I just did what felt very natural at that moment. Mm. Cause I knew that she wanted something sexy and, but also very like creative. And I was like, well, Kim, you're a dancer. So figure it out. Um, <laughs> And that's exactly what I did. And then by the time I got off and I was like, oh, what happened? Am I okay? <laughs> like, I need to see that. I need to see like a video of it. And thankfully I had two friends there that shot a video and pictures that I saw. And I was like, wow, I did mm-hmm. that. Okay. <laughs> and I really had, like, I don't think I took it in that night. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. It took me like a little while to let that sink in because I had to talk to the designer after that and I said I hope I did okay it was my first time walking also I opened the show for her her name is Mish by the way she's so amazing um and that was what I remember from that first show I was like I remember the hair and makeup and how it was backstage and how many people were there and you know I was like I don't know (laughs) I was like the designer like the hair and makeup be like so what did she tell you and I was like I don't know. I thought you guys do. Like I was I was so like I was like so oblivious and like I didn't know anything that was happening. Mm-hmm. I was like, I know I have to be back by this time so that I can get ready. That's what I have. Wow. So that's I've what I remember for that first show. Yeah. Um and I guess so you've done a lot of shows since then. What was your last show? My last show was Toronto Plus Size Fashion Week. And that show was very interesting. As in, like, I saw multiple people that are plus size. And they don't all look like me. You know know what I mean? Plus size comes in different ways. I did not see a whole lot of people that look like me as in plus size. Right? When I do fashion shows, I don't really see. I see a lot of girls that are either tall and skinny or, you know, they they're athletic builds. Well, all the women that were there and the men, they were all plus size. And it made me feel like inclusivity is happening. It's, it's, it's a now situation. And whether people are happy with it or not happy with it, mm-hmm. it's a now situation. And things are changing in the industry. Things are really changing. We have lot more to go but things are really changing and i was like and the clothes were beautiful they were beautiful they were stunning and i said you know what i'm very proud to be part of this i'm very proud <laughs> to just make it in because there were people coming from the united states to model no and, and over like 200 plus people auditioned and wow. i got to be a part of it thank you so much thank you so much i'm so grateful so when I saw that and I saw all the models and how professional they were and how they couldn't carry themselves as plus size models, knowing that they're not ashamed, knowing that they were 
so proud of what they've done and who they are i was like i can learn a lot from these these women and these people like i can learn so much mm. and i realized that like that point i was like you're not done yet kim you're not done there's so much more to do and you know that it's about me being obedient and willing to do it mm. Mm. so that was the last show that i did wow i mean i I'm I'm curious though. Um, are there, are there some things? So you go for I guess the audition, and then you're selected as one of the models. Are there things you have to do to prepare from that moment to the actual moment you walk out on the runway? Of course, there is so much to there is so much to do for me personally. There is so much I have to do. What is taking care of my body and exercising, getting my skin right, so skincare routine, having my hair like done cut you know knowing how to take care of that and my nails there's also that because you don't want like really bad nails when the pictures come out and it's just not looking the best and then diet on another hand like i have to eat really clean if i don't eat clean and i don't eat healthy i'm going to feel sick and bloated during that day and it's going to be a hard time Mm. it's going to be a hard time so from the moment i'm selected to the moment i'm there those are the physical things that i do Mm -hmm. The emotional part and the mental part that I prepare for is me saying, okay, Kim, you're walking this show. You know how many people are there. Are there tickets for your family and friends? No? Okay, that's fine. Yes? Okay, great. Who do I want to invite? And then I'm also thinking, like, you know, eyes are going to be on you. You've done this before. But, you know, different people are going to be there this time. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you feeling about that? What do you fe- How do you feel about the outfits that they're giving you? How do you feel about just being there this late or you know taking care of your body during that show because again it's all about taking care of my body so i can take care of others um so it's a mental process that i go through a whole mental process that i have to go through and an emotional one too because i'm like super excited and then i'm like very nervous and then i'm like oh my gosh and then i'm you know just like shocked and then i'm like okay Keep yourself neutral so that you can do the show. And then afterwards, feel all the emotions you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Right? You cannot go through this roller coaster of emotions before a show and then not be ready for that show mentally. Mm. Right? So after the show, I can feel all the emotions. Before the show, keep myself calm, collected, do what I got to do, mm. talk to my designers, vocalize anything that I feel like I need to, and do the job. Because to me, it is a job. And if it's a job, like everybody else, we go, we do our work, we go back, feel whatever you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's how I think of it. Um, oh, yeah. Another thing you do is work with Epilepsy Canada. How did that come about? So that was interesting. Um, so since I have epilepsy and like I was always someone that wanted to support people with epilepsy and make that awareness... I was I was looking at different organizations that work with people with epilepsy and I found Epilepsy Canada and I really do love them. They have different advocates and I follow them on Instagram as well. So I was like, okay, you know, that's something that I want to do. Like I ha- I do this right now. I do modeling, but like that could be translated into like awareness. And I said, why not? Mm-hmm. So I had a meeting with um, one of the people that do the recruitment for ambassadors and i said and i just told them this is what i do this is how i feel this is what i support and what i want to make 
help you guys out in any sort of way. And I said, yeah, I want to be a part of this. This is something that I, I felt very strongly about because not a whole lot of people know um, what epilepsy looks like, what it doesn't look like, how to treat it and take care of it. And I learned that firsthand as well. Because I remember having a doctor that wanted to put me in an induced coma after a couple seizures. And I said, no, sir, I don't need an induced coma. I just need to sleep. That's what I need right now. I'm very tired. My body is tired. My mind is tired. And that's why I'm having seizures. Don't put me in a coma. That's what happened at a hospital that did not know about my seizures, that did not have my medical records, that just thought, you know what, this is the best bet. I said, sir, give me one night, one night. I'll show you that I don't need to be an induced coma. Just let me sleep for like one night. And after that one night, everything's fine. I didn't need to be an induced coma. Mm. And that's why I wanted to spread awareness on epilepsy. If I was in a coma, I wouldn't be here right now because I just they just wouldn't wake me up. Mm. See, that's why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's why I wanted to go to Epilepsy Canada and be like, guess what? This is what I do. I want to translate it into um, something that, that could spread awareness for great people that don't understand. And that's okay not to understand. But please, when someone gives you some sort of education, take it, wa- read it, watch it, learn it, and then just go upon your life. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um, another thing you do a lot of TV appearances. What was your first one? How was that experience? And how do you handle going on TV, especially on live shows? Oh, okay. So all my shows have been, or all the segments I've been on have been live. Oh, um, wow. Okay. <laughs> all of it. So, uh, so for, for Filipino TV, which is a network in Toronto, or I should say Canada, um, I reached out to them. I told them, hey, I'm half Filipino, half Egyptian. I defeat all beauty standards with Filipino beauty standards. I'm not skinny. I'm not pale. I have curly hair, not straight hair. And I ended up walking for one of the best designers in Canada. And then they went and looked at my Instagram and kind of just went through my feed. And they also found out I was an advocate for epilepsy. And so I didn't know what to expect, but mm. I know that whatever that comes on my heart and my mind i would translate it for someone that needs to understand or wants to understand um so that was how i go upon all of that when i go on breakfast television and they ask me to be a part of it it's a whole process that is a process on its own i wake up at like five in the morning to get there i do my makeup there my hair is either already done or i do it before and then I say a quick little prayer because God was like, I need it. And then I just go. I just do. I don't know if that makes sense, but I just do it. And then afterwards, I look back on what I just did. <laughs> and I said, okay, I like this. I don't like this. And it's nothing to do with anyone else but me like, mm-hmm. and what I did. Mm-hmm. right? And I was like, and obviously I take hints or like suggestions from the people on set or like that are there when we're right about to film. And I'd be like, hey, how does this look? Because I always wanted to make it look as best as possible. Mm. It is live TV, right? And so they're super helpful. They're, they're amazing. And I always get very nervous before. Mm-hmm. And until I hear my name, then it's just like a switch in my head where I'm like, okay, God's taking over. I'm just, 
I'm just gonna do it. Whatever happens, go. happens. Because <laughs> I need to accept, like, whatever happens, happens. Mm. I can't change that. Mm-hmm. I'm not in control afterwards. I'm in control of the now part. So that is what I've learned to accept and talk about and really just go upon and be like, you know what, maybe next time, do better, Kim. Mm-hmm. Just practice a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> you can't be that hard on yourself. Okay. I think, you know, the epilepsy, modeling, TV, all those things, they kind of all gather in your social media. So how do you navigate social media? Ooh, that's hard. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> There's that. Um, I take shows I've done in order, and I try to put them in order. There's that. And I try not to put them too late, but I try to spread them apart within the day. So I try not to do everything at one time. Mm-hmm. I like to spread them out where I know it's needed. So today I'll be posting something that is very dear to my heart, but I posted it for a reason today. And the reason is because of, you'll see, right? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say it out loud. Um, but that is how I go upon it. And I choose what pictures very strategically because mm-hmm. I also want to put reels as well, like Instagram reels or whatever, TikToks or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so, because I always go picture real, picture real, something along the lines of that, because I find that the reels capture that moment, whereas the pictures are like, they're more, they're me posing. So, like, it's more so staged, right? Whereas reels is like real time, real life. You'll see how people saw it. Mm-hmm. And then, and me looking back at it, being like, okay, I like this, I don't like this. Again, my own feedback. And then I'll post it for people to see, not just people for recognition like family and friends that can't be at the show they also want to see it so that's why i like i post what i post and what i post also um and obviously there are some things that i have not posted that are in my portfolio because i just felt like it wasn't it's not the right place to post it Mm. right sometimes when it's it's not the right place to post it it's not the right time i think it's better just to have it in the portfolio and I love the work that I do and I'm, I I love all the work that I do. Um, but I also hold myself to a standard, um, and due to my beliefs and my morals and values, like as a Christian, I always want to be as modest as I could be. Am I doing a great job? I'm not convicted. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I really, I really do value that part in my life and I really want to stick true, stay true to it mm. as well as saying, Hey, does this also align with like being an ambassador for people with epilepsy though? Does this also align for that? Or do you just want to look pretty at this point? Like that literally is like, Oh, do you just want to show off or mm. do you actually have like a message behind it? Right? Like, see, those are the things that I think about whenever I'm going to post. Because I love looking pretty. But <laughs> it serves no value unless there is something behind it. Mm-hmm. I'm very mm-hmm. proud of some stuff and I love it, but I'm proud of it for personal reasons, not like it's going to help somebody else. Right. And that's kind of how I navigate my, my posts and my feed, really. Wow, thanks for sharing that. Um, it's always great talking to you, and uh, it was great hearing you on Dora Show. But I, I want to respect your time. So I'm I'm going to let you go with this question. Okay. You know, um, 
you've been dealt something very difficult, but you've, I guess, risen above that adversity. So someone is in the audience listening, watching this episode, and they're like, oh, I'm going through something difficult. What advice would you share um, and how the person can navigate that difficult or that adversity they are going through? This is not the end. That's the first thing I want to say. It is like I've gone through some pretty hard things, like mentally, emotionally, physically, but it was never, I always had to remind myself, this is not the end. And if it's not the end, then it's the beginning of something different. It's the beginning of something new. And you're going to have to learn how to navigate through it. Change is good and change is difficult, but it's also necessary for you to grow, right? These adversaries that we face daily or someone faces daily, and as much as and as hard as it is, we also have to learn to accept it. Mm. Accept that this is the situation as of right now, but it's, again, not the end. It will mm-hmm. change and it will differ and spread to throughout in a good way or a bad way. And I think we, as humans, are very emotional and mm-hmm. react like very strongly towards certain situations, which is fine for a moment. But afterwards, you need to actually think about what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Come up with a plan. Say, you know what, okay, let me take care of my mental health right now because that's what I need to focus on. Find your priority and focus on that because mm-hmm. that is the most important part. Again, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Mm-hmm. And if you need to take care of others, then you, t- you need to take a, like, a step back and say, let me breathe right now. Let me let me breathe and then go back out there and do what I need to do. Mm. Those are things that I think about. And if you have any sort of religion, any sort of thing you go to, like as I'm a Christian, I, I talk to God. I, I literally say, God, I need you right now. If you have a, some sort of thing that you believed in, then go to that if that is your source of comfort go to that but mm. ultimately at the end of it you have to face it as best as you can and learn from it as well there's always a lesson behind everything and as much as that hurts to like hear it's also very much true so that's what i got Kimberly, thank you so much for sharing that and thank you so much for your time and for coming to the sanctuary today Thank you so much for having me.